Welcome on into the Cougar Tracks podcast. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper, with KSLsports.com. This show is always powered by KSL Sports. Post-game reaction to BYU's loss to TCU, 44-11. to And honestly, I don't think the score was as close as it would indicate. That's how big of a beatdown it was as the Frogs just rolled through BYU on Saturday afternoon. It was a beautiful day in Fort Worth. The weather was amazing. It was brisk fall weather, a little bit of a wind, and it was just amazing weather. But that was the only thing that was pretty about this game for BYU. Let me just say this, though, real quick. So I was at M&G Carter Stadium, first time going to that stadium for a game. I've seen the old stadium before, never gone to a game That was one of the nicest stadiums I've ever been to in my years going and covering and and attending college football games. That was an impressive facility. And I got to say, that is something that you got to think has to be inspiration for BYU, knowing what TCU Stadium once was, how bad of a stadium it used to be. And then you get some Big 12 money, you make that transition to the Power Five, and then you completely overhaul that stadium the facade was amazing everything about it was really nice I just had to say that because I think that's a direction BYU needs to improve when it comes to stadium going forward but they need to improve a lot on the field as that's point of mind for BYU coming out of Saturday as they fall to TCU 44 to 11 where do you begin this was a downright mess in all three phases of the game and how does this happen Out of a bye week. That was one of the questions that I asked myself and I asked Kalani Satake after the game. You had a full week. Remember, the dynamics of this game was TCU reeling, two-game losing streak, new quarterback. BYU had a bye week. They were playing physical. They felt good. They They were where they needed to be at this point of the season. And then you roll into Fort Worth And it was very similar to that 2008-2010 games where you just get steamrolled by the Frogs. And it was from the opening kick. Opening drive, Keaton Slovis throws a pick six, and away the Frogs go. BYU never responded. I think another thing, too, that was interesting about this game was that BYU's typically been a resilient bunch. They've responded well when faced with an early hole. Now, You'd ideally like to not see them get into that early hole, but they've always bounced back. This one, they never did. On the day, TCU had 584 yards, BYU 243. Passing yards for BYU 152, rush yards for BYU 91. Second highest rush total of the season for BYU. TCU's stat line. 447 through the air, 439 of which was with redshirt freshman Josh Hoover in his first career start, 137 on the ground. I get the sense that BYU thought they were going to continue to run the football a lot with Josh Hoover. That was not the case at all. Earlier in the week, Jay Hill, defensive coordinator for BYU, said that he didn't feel the scheme would change much. It changed quite a bit because they threw the rock 58 times with Josh Hoover. I was saying a little bit in the KSL Sports Zone interviews that I did throughout the week, I felt like Chandler Morris 
was not as good of a passer as Josh Hoover. I was watching Josh Hoover's huddle film to kind of get a sense of how he looks as a passer. Really impressive. And man, the, the impressions carried over into Saturday as he lit up BYU. Keep in mind, the Cougars were down Camden Garrett, who was sidelined with an injury, an ankle injury that he's been dealing with the past few weeks. He was seen on Wednesday at practice limping back to the student-athlete building from the IPF. So there were some questions about Camden. The secondary also took a hit with Tanner Wall, who's dealing with a right arm injury. He was in a sling or a shoulder, something along those lines, an upper body injury. BYU secondary short on personnel right now. Maury Bamba got the start. They attacked him early and often. Maury's going to be a good player, but I don't know if he's ready for that stage yet. And the speed of TCU just stood out once again. That's why I asked Kalani Satake on Monday, how is BYU going to respond to the speed of TCU? Are they ready for that? They were not. BYU is a quicker team than they've been in years past by BYU standards. But it's still not quick enough for the Big 12 and this TCU team. Big 12 football, can anyone figure it out? I simply can't. Think about the schedule on Saturday. Four of the five teams that won were underdogs. The only underdog that didn't win was BYU. This league is nuts, man. So when you think BYU's down and out, look, crazy things can happen in this conference. No one can maintain consistency outside of Texas and Oklahoma. But what's concerning about Saturday's loss for BYU is that it feels like a game that rewrites the projections, the outlook of the entire season. And all the good fortunes that were built up in the first month completely got shattered on Saturday in Fort Worth. BYU retooled the offensive line after a month of saying the offensive line's okay, they've done a good job. They go to Connor Pay at center. They go to Paul Miley at left guard. They go to Waylon Lapuahu, who's dealing with a bit of an injury. He's back. He goes to right guard. Braden Kime at right tackle. Kingsley at left tackle. What I don't understand about that move, and look, I think it was the right decisions to make personnel-wise. That's how the starting five should be. Why wasn't that the five from the get-go in week one? Why didn't you have Connor Pay there who took every center snap in spring ball? Why all of a sudden does it say out of a bye week after a win, do you now say, oh, let's switch it back? When these issues have been going on since week one, this was not just a sudden thing over the bye where it became, well, you, you got to make this change. Like It was an issue in week one. It was clear as day. But they kept trotting it out. Now you're at the midway point, and you shuffle the deck again. You hit restart again on the offensive line. The seat's got to be warming up a little bit for Daryl Funk. It has to be the offensive line coach for BYU because these sort of changes... I like the personnel change. I do. And I think long-term it's going to work. But why was this not the move from the beginning? Folks like myself, Matt Biamonte, we were saying on our show, this is what the lineup should have been from the beginning. Connor Pay took every snap in, in spring ball. He's a better center. He's going to play in the NFL as a center. Still, it didn't lead to much of a pop in that first half. The 91 rushing yards BYU ended up with, most of that was in the second half. And the game was just out of sight and out of mind. 
once TCU scored that touchdown on the opening drive in the third quarter, game was over. It was done. I mean, it was done after the pick six, let's be honest. But any hopes of a comeback in the second half were laid to rest instantly. And that was quite a statement by TCU to come out out of the gates, third quarter, put together a nice drive, and just lay the hammer down on BYU. And you got to think, too, this TCU team, it wasn't just kind of fluke plays where they were having success like Arkansas did. Arkansas popped a big run, and it's like, oh, no, BYU's down 14-0. TCU just fast-paced, up-tempo, seven, eight, nine-yard drives, touchdown. TCU was shooting themselves in, the own, in their own foot, too. Went for it on a fourth and one in their red zone. They had a shotgun look with no backs in the backfield, five wide. What are you doing? I mean, that's why they're one of the worst red zone teams in college football. TCU could have probably put up 60 in the game. BYU took a real step back defensively. They had no answer. BYU does not want to face a Kendall Bryles offense again, I can tell you that much. Kendall Bryles loves facing BYU. He was the OC for Arkansas last year. 644 yards with Arkansas last year in Provo. Today, 584. Dude called over 1,000 yards worth of plays against BYU with two different DCs. I thought LJ Martin struggled a little bit too. And it wasn't just the lack of you know, high number of rushing yards. I thought he wasn't running with much violence like he did in week one. I don't know if it's a case of he's overthinking it or it didn't feel like he was running with that same burst that we saw in week one against Sam Houston. Now, look, it could be a situation where, you know, he's a little bit nicked up and, you know, everyone's kind of sore and bruised. It happens. You're at game six in a Big 12 schedule. That's kind of to be expected. But that was a a little bit discouraging. I thought Miles Davis gave some good snaps, but when he played, his first run was a first down, and you go, why didn't he get a look earlier in the first quarter? Again, I thought Keaton Slovis, too, he had the worst game of his BYU career. As a BYU Cougar, far and wide the, the worst performance from Keaton Slovis to this point. 15 of 34, 152 yards, Zero TDs, one interception, completion percentage, 44%. Ugh, that was not good. And about 80 of those yards for the 152 was on two plays, one of which was a 38-yarder to Chase Roberts on a fourth down. That was a big play by Chase, and then a 42-yard explosive play to Parker Kingston in the third quarter. It was not a good day for Keenan Slovis. Nothing was working for him. I thought his passes... There was just something was off with the way he was throwing the football. Because typically, he's not been accurate precision. He's not in the 70% threshold. He's low 60s coming into the game. But a lot of his throws were just behind the receiver, maybe a, a wrong route. There was a miscommunication. He overthrew some receivers. And then there was a lot of third downs where he's just throwing it out of bounds. Wide receivers cannot create enough separation. It was something that I pointed out on Cougar Nation last Monday and talked about it on my radio hits this week. Can BYU's receivers create separation? Because TCU's got speed. They've always had speed. And this was a get-right game for TCU. And I don't even think they were like overly hyped about the game. It was kind of a methodical crowd, late-arriving group. It filled in pretty well 
but there wasn't this juice in the building from the get-go. They created their own energy, and credit to them for not giving up on the season because TCU's back was against the wall. Had they lost this game, season's toast. Now they're back in it. And with how the Big 12 is struggling to have anyone outside of Texas and Oklahoma perform well, maybe TCU gets hot. Maybe they have the recipe like last year where the backup quarterback changes their fortunes. I'll tell you, Kalani Satake was very high on Josh Hoover. He said that they look like the team that he saw in film last year that went to the national championship game. I tend to agree. Josh Hoover looked outstanding. I think he's going to Wally Pip Chandler Morris. I mean, that guy was impressive the way he was throwing the rock. Looked really good. They didn't even turn to Monty Bailey, one of the nation's leading rushers. He only had 13 carries, 61 yards, a long of 25, but really non-existent. TCU threw the rock to 13 different receivers in the game. 13! Just a rough day all around for BYU. Now, the question is, how do they move forward? Okay, don't let one loss, as Keaton Slovis said in the postgame, don't let one loss turn into two against TCU. So what do they do? Honestly, I wish I had the answers because I don't know where they go from here. I feel like BYU is solid. But until they get that rushing attack fixed, they're not going to have much success in this league. Just straight up. You're going to look at the rest of the schedule. BYU will not be favored the rest of the way. They might be a toss-up team against Texas Tech. I'm very curious to see what the line comes out as against Texas Tech on Sunday. If I had to guess, Texas Tech's going to have some questions at, at their quarterback spot. They had their Baron Morton. He went down with an injury. A true freshman came in in replace of Morton. So another backup quarterback situation, third-string quarterback coming in for Texas Tech. Jake Strong was the freshman that stepped in. I would guess Texas Tech's probably a three-point favorite over BYU. The home element gives BYU a chance, but they're going to be an underdog, and they're going to be an underdog against Iowa State because Iowa State's coming on strong with Rocco Beck. They're forgetting about Hunter Deckers now. They're, they're figuring out their identity. They're a tough football team. They're 3-1 and one in the league right now. And then you still got games against Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia on the road, two time zone game, and then Oklahoma State, who just beat Kansas. Where do you win? I know that there was a lot of excitement and joy about playing Texas and Oklahoma on the schedule because it's once-in-a-lifetime stuff. But the once-in-a-lifetime feeling goes away when you got to go actually line up against them and try to get to a bowl game. That's always been the goal this year, get to a bowl game. Get to six. Suddenly you go, that's potentially in doubt. I think BYU still finds a way to get there. I think they can beat Texas Tech next week. Texas Tech watching the second half of that K-State game. It was a sudden deal with the freshman quarterback getting thrown in, and K-State had Avery Johnson just set the world on fire on the ground. Had their head spinning a little bit. They'll be a little bit better prepared next week against BYU. But that's a critical game. I mean, you've got to win that one because you're fighting to get to bowl eligibility. I wanted to see a little bit more, too, from BYU's defense against TCU. Zero sacks. Josh Hoover was ripping that ball off, though, quick. It, it was coming out of his hand hot. So it's tough to get to him with how that offense plays. 
But that was disappointing how there was little to no pressure against TCU. Disappointing. That was a step back. It felt like BYU's defense last year. And I'm still willing to give Jay Hill a little bit of leniency this year. I am, even though I felt like there was kind of a misread maybe on how they would attack BYU-TCU. I still feel like Jay understands that the personnel is not quite where they need it to be. And they're going to get better, personnel-wise, in years to come. It will. They've got to improve. That was a step back and not creating any sort of pressure at all. They had two takeaways, one of which was from Eddie Heckard, who made an athletic play. Cialia Sarah, a freshman, in his first game action. That was a great moment for him. That was one of the few bright spots of the game. But all in all, just a, a tough day for BYU. And it's just one where now you're in the grind of Big 12 play. You're starting to realize it. And on the outside, this is why, again, you never look at teams based on a logo, based on a brand. Because people look at the TCU logo, the brand, they say, oh, it's an afterthought. They got smoked by Georgia. They're not that good. Watch how TCU operates. They've transformed their program since the Mountain West. Like They look and feel like a big-time program. Even though they might end up 7-5 and five this year, the way they operate feels big-time. And that's something to me that BYU has to aspire to become. They cannot just say the BYU way will get it done. It will not. This league will eat you alive if it's only the BYU way. Now, stay true to your identity, yes. Stay true to the values and the core principles of what BYU is and always will be. Absolutely embrace that and own it to the Big 12. But you have to act in a faster manner. You have to update everything in terms of your facilities, your aggressiveness in the recruiting trail, the transfer portal. It has to get better because more games like this are are more often than not going to happen in the Big 12 than people realize. This is a league that BYU could become very much an afterthought if they don't get things right on the back half of the schedule. You're at the midway point, four and two. You're still in a great spot to go get to a bowl game, but you got to find a way to get some upsets to get to bowl eligibility. And just BYU's never been in this predicament where you're staring down a schedule where you have six games where you're probably an underdog. Name a schedule where that's happened. It never has. Maybe 2004 when the wheels were completely coming off, but even then you'd still have games against UNLV. You'd have games against Colorado State. I mean, I, I know they were in their kind of heyday with Sonny Lubick, but you know what I mean. I mean, that was a different deal where even with those bad BYU teams, you'd still have games where you're a favorite because you got the bigger lines, you got the better personnel overall in a league like the Mountain West. That's not the case here. These teams in the Big 12, outside of UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, have been doing it for decades at this level. And you're also at a deficit financially compared to them for the first couple years. So it might be unreasonable to even expect BYU to be competitive week after week in these games. The key thing for BYU, though, they have got to figure things out with their play calling, and they got to figure things out on the ground. It's got to start there. I know Kalani said we might not be able to be a team that can start and ground and pound teams out on the, on the ground, but they've got to establish the run. It's inexcusable. And if it doesn't work, the talent's there at running back. L.J. Martin's good. Miles Davis, good. 
Aiden Robbins, he was didn't make the trip. He's still banged up. They've got personnel, and they've got talent on the offensive line. That's what's the most head-scratching deal here. It, it would be a lot more easier to take if you just realize they don't got the dudes. They don't got the personnel to make it work. BYU's got some NFL offensive linemen, and it's just not working out. They've got to find answers in a hurry. Injury front, as I noted earlier, Camden Garrett, he was out. Tanner Wall, out. He didn't make the trip. Crew Wakely, he went down with an injury. It looked for a moment that Keaton Slovis was banged up. There were some reports that Jake Retzlaff was suddenly throwing on the sideline. That, that was not the case at all. The moment that Keaton Slovis kind of got looked at by trainers was down and they were looking at his shoulder, I instantly took the binoculars out and just zeroed in on him because I'm like, that's the starting quarterback. This game's in the bag. We already know what's going to happen here. I got to zero in on, on Slovis. The whole time, Slovis didn't go in the tent. They kept looking at him. He said he was fine afterwards. It was just kind of a, a deal where they were looking at it. But something to keep in mind going forward with that shoulder. Slovis, to his credit, he's taken some nasty hits this year. And he's just gotten back up and stuck with it. So credit to him. He is a tough, tough dude. You cannot... Say he's not, because that guy has sat in the pocket, he's taken hits, and he's bounced back. But Retzlaff was never warming up. He was always in that orange hat, always had the headset on, and was never going back in. Slovis just never settled in at all in this game, and he's got to find a way to bounce back in a hurry because all the goodwill that he maybe built up in that first month, people now are going to say, is it a little bit of... The pit, Keaton Slovis again? I don't think so. I think he bounces back. But he needs his receivers to show up in a big way, too. Just so many areas where BYU's got to get things fixed offensively. And I thought the play calling was a little, a little bit conservative, too. Take some more shots. Be a little more aggressive. I mean, once it got to a point where you're just completely down and out, just go for it. There's nothing to lose at that point. BYU falls to 4-2 and two on the season. 1-2 and two in Big 12 play. Next up... Homecoming against Texas Tech, 5 p.m. kick, extended pregame. Brace yourself for this. High noon on KSL News Radio next week for BYU and Texas Tech. Coming up a little bit later this week, I'll be in Kansas City for Big 12 Basketball Media Days. Looking forward to that. I'm going to be flying out from Dallas on Monday heading straight up to, to Kansas City, and I'll be out there until Wednesday night and then fly back then get you ready for BYU and Texas Tech. So it's going to be a busy week for me. Before I know it, it's going to be Cougars and Red Raiders and some basketball in between to get you ready for that. So I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's always powered by kslsports.com.